Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. The power of the name of Jesus survived the Roman Empire, survived the Greeks. Are you hearing me? Survived the Turks, survived other religions that tried to murder and kill them, torture them. Kings and kingdoms have risen. Some we only know about through history because they don't exist anymore. Rose up, declared themselves to be ultimate sovereignty. They're gone. Are you hearing me? Kings have made themselves to be gods, created religions that they would be worshipped. They are gone. If they're still here, they're weak and anemic, and they're just a figurehead. They have no power. They have no authority. They're just pomp and circumstance. But the same message of a man the son of a carpenter born in the ghettos of Nazareth. Come on, can I, can I get an amen? Can anything good come out of Nazareth is what they said. Is this not the carpenter's boy is what they said. Who's, who, of what authority do you speak such words? Push him off the cliff and shut him up. But he passed through the crowd. Hallelujah, are you hearing me? Woo! It wasn't his time to die. Oh, yeah, they beat him with 39 stripes on his back, of which the common man never survived. They would pick him up, thinking he was dead, laugh and poke and spit. He'd fall to the ground. He'd grab himself and pull himself back up again. The Bible said they beat him beyond recognition. They laughed at him. They mocked at him and said, tell us who is slapping you. Tell us who is spitting on you if you're such the prophet that you proclaim yourself to be. They stripped him completely naked. Exposed him, mocked him. Oh, I know when we see it on Jesus on the cross, and rightfully so, out of decency for our life, he's wrapped in a loincloth. But you got to understand that when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Word that became flesh and dwelt among us, was nailed upon the cross, he was completely and utterly naked. Not a shred of clothes upon his body to shame him while his mother lay right beneath him. They mocked him. They ridiculed him. They gambled over his clothing. They poked. They, he, he said, I'm thirsty. They got a sponge and dipped it in vinegar and gave him vinegar to drink and laughed. Because he didn't look like much. Are you hearing me? Let's be real. When, when you've been taken thrown upon a cross and nails driven through your wrist and feet, crown of thorns put upon your head, mocked and ridiculed, hung between two thieves, hanging there naked, every square inch of your body covered in wounds and blood. You don't look like the King of Kings. You don't look like the Messiah that they thought should look like. But when he said it is finished, even creation began to shake and move. The earth beneath the mountain began to shake. The sun said, I don't even want to shine. 
and let the clouds come and cover him. In the middle of the noonday, it became as dark as night. The earth shook. Tombs of the Old Testament dead were opened up. And the dead, that some had been dead for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, the Bible said walked out of the tombs. They still didn't know what was going on. But they were scared. But I'm going to tell you something, when God begins to move, Regardless of the circumstances, he'll move in the most difficult moments you could ever imagine him to move. And he'll move on the very people that cursed him, the very people that nailed him to the cross. The man with the hammer still in his hand fell to his knees. And the Bible said, surely, the soldier cried out, surely this is the Son of God. There's about to be a shaking moment, y'all. That the Bible says in the book of Hebrews is what I'm going to be teaching on in the coming, coming weeks here in this house. In this brand new series called Greater. If we can make it there before the Lord comes back. If the Lord will let me get to the end of Hebrews. it will. All of Hebrews is teaching us that Jesus is greater. He's greater than anything that's ever come before him. He's greater than anything that was here when he was here. He's greater than anything that would ever come after him. But the shaking that happened on that mountain when he died pales in comparison to the shaking, the Bible says, that will happen at the end when he's about to return. Because the Bible said not only will it shake in heaven but in earth beneath, but this great shaking will shake everything, everything on this earth, not just a mountain in Jerusalem, but every square inch of this earth will have a spiritual shaking and they'll also manifest in the natural with earthquakes in diverse places. And this earth will begin to moan and groan and cry out and travail. But in the spirit realm, it will be greater than even the natural shaking. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken until that which cannot be shaken shall remain can I tell you the only thing that will not be shaken is the name of Jesus and those that follow and live under the authority of the name of Jesus this book called the Bible has lived out, outlived every person that has ever said it was a fairy tale They've written books to try to turn you against them. They're dead. They're gone. Nobody's buying their books anymore. This is still the number one selling book in the entire world. Come on, give the Lord a praise. It's still the number one selling book in the entire world. You can't stop Jesus. When we was on vacation, my nieces, I forgot what they called it. What'd you call that game, Savannah, where you tell somebody one, one thing in the room and by the, you try to get it around the room? What's it called? Huh? Speak out. See, we're going to play this game, Speak Out, Uncle Larry. And it was, we never got that far because we had too much fun rolling your daddy up in a, in a blanket and making him a burrito. You had to be there. But it's just to illustrate that even in a small room, you start off and you whisper something and you, try, you sort of try to make it a, a little unusual state, but to remember... And you see how much of it is left by the time it gets to the end of the room exactly the way you originally said it. And how many knows most of the time it's not exactly the way you originally said it. Just in a room. But can I tell you something? It's been over 2,000 years since Jesus died on the cross and came back from the dead. And it's been thousands and thousands of years since the word, the letters that are in the scriptures were written. It's been 
a century since it's been translated into English and other languages all over the world. And here's the reality. No one has changed the story. It's still the same. When they found, well, come on, y'all hear me. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in, in the mountains that somebody had hid, that they had written, the Maccabees had put in the, in the Dead Sea Scrolls and hid them in pottery up in the mountains to hide away from those that were persecuting the early Christians. It was, some believe, was put up there as early as a hundred years from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were still telling the story less than a hundred years. When they brought, got those Dead Sea Scrolls out, most of them had disintegrated and decayed over time. But they were able to find an entire chapter of the book of Isaiah. And they were able to put all the morsels together, all the pieces together. And when they put the pieces together from a, from a hundred years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, of one of the chapters of the book of Isaiah, it was word for word and letter for letter in the same book of Isaiah that you have in your Bible right now. Not a single word was different. I'm going to tell you something. That's impossible unless God's hand is upon it. You might as well shout amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we go forth, open up our minds and hearts over the next weeks and months and never how long God it takes us to see and understand what Scripture says about your Son, Jesus. Jesus, we know you are known as the Son of God. And that has confused a lot of people, Lord, hearing the word Son of God. But I'm asking you to anoint me, because your word is anointed, and it's all through Scripture, that you are not just the Son of God, you are God. And God, we ask that you open up the minds and the hearts of people to understand that Jesus, you are eternal. You were the one that was and is and is to come. You are God. And Lord, as we teach your scripture, open our minds and hearts so that we would absorb your scripture to be able to defend our faith in this moment. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, y'all remind me about offering and announcements at the end, okay? It's y'all's job. Everybody say, I received that mission. Five people received that mission. The rest of you are scared like me that you'll forget. I understand. I'm going to begin a series today called Greater. Not you being greater. And I know I wrote a book called I See Greatness in You. And God is and wants us to have greatness in our lives. But all of our greatness is always tied to the greatness of God. You can't be great in God without God. You can't, tr you could be good and you can do great natural things, but the greater that I'm talking about is not you won the gold medal instead of the silver medal. So you in the natural were greater than one or others in that race, so you call yourselves the greatest. I understand that. You know, I know some of you think that LeBron, LeBron is the greatest. I'm praying for you. You know, you, we all know who the goat was. Come on, y'all hear me. That's all I'm saying. The rest of y'all. You're just too young. You just, don't, you just don't know. Am I preaching right? Well, MJ. Okay. <clears throat> Jordan is the greatest. <clears throat> don't waste your time on this other Space Jam. <clears throat> It'll never replace the original. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Jesus is the goat, baby. You want to find out the goat, it's Jesus. 
Some of y'all, some of y'all really old, you'd be like, did he just call Jesus a goat? G-O-A-T. Greatest of all time, baby. Somebody shout, Jesus is the ultimate goat. I'm trying to preach. Y'all keep messing with me. The book of Hebrews, more than any book in Scripture, more than any book in Scripture, it connects the, the dots between the Old and the New Testament. Hebrews also helps us understand the connection and relationship of the Jewish people and the Christian people. It also helps us to remember and understand the relationship that the church has with Israel. Hebrews shows us that Jesus had made a greater life for us. He desires for us to live in that great life. Remember what he said? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, greater. It's a book of many amazing principles, revelations, and mind-blowing teachings. I'm just reading to you some things that God gave me as I'm typing them. But more than anything else, Hebrews is about Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Oh, we've made church to be so much outside of Jesus. We have lights to point you to a place to set a mood, if you will. If that's, that's the agenda, whether it works or not. That's our only desire, not to put on a show, but to create any kind of atmosphere we can to put you in a place uh, to where you feel like you're in a comfortable place where you can let go and worship Jesus. Not Austin, not me, not this praise team, but Jesus. The book of Hebrews reveals to us the deity of Jesus. And I don't want to assume that everybody knows some of these big fancy theological words. Deity means Godship, means God, that he is God. The book of Hebrews tells us of the Godship, the deity of Jesus, like no other book. It opens understandings of subjects like faith, the blood of Jesus, and why we needed the blood, the priesthood authority, honor, the importance of church attendance, worship, the coming shaking and current shaking, and so much more. But more than anything, and all of those things point us to Jesus. Somebody say this with me. Jesus is my God. This is a hallmark doctrine that must be believed by every Christian. I know that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but you have to believe also, and I'm going to show you why you have to believe it if you believe the Bible, that Jesus is not just the Son of God by name. He is, he, and He was, and He has always been God. If Jesus isn't God, then He cannot do what He came to do. Only God can come to do what He did. Only God can forgive sins. Only God can preach the good news of repentance. The good news is he is God. Scripture tells us this. Now I'm going to preach to you in just a minute. And I'm going to, I'm going to read scripture. And I'm going to go very, very fast. So you're going to have to put your seatbelt on. Because I've got a lot of ground to cover over the coming weeks. But I want to set the stage here for you to understand a little bit about this great book. The book of Hebrews. Talk about. I want to first talk about the, the author and the time of when this was written and who wrote it. Many people believe, and the majority of people that have an opinion on whoever, who, who wrote Hebrews believe that it was the Apostle Paul. This was believed as far back as 200 A.D. There are writings of recordings of people believing that Hebrews was written by Paul. Scholars were giving Paul the credit for writing it then. 
Because of the writing style of the Greek structure, some leaders believe that Paul wrote it and maybe Luke, his partner, the one the the the, the that wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts also was written by Luke. Many believe that Paul wrote it and Luke translated it into Greek. Others believe that maybe a student, an unnamed student of Paul might have even written it. The argument against Pauline authorship or it being written by Paul is based on the fact that if you've read the Word of God and you've read the New Testament, it is written in a different way than all the other writings of Paul. Paul's writings are very familiar. His style is very familiar. And the style of Hebrews is a little different than the style of the other books such as Romans and Corinthians and so forth. Some have attributed the book of Hebrews to a man named Clement who lived in Rome at that time. John Calvin, uh, the historical preacher, believed that it was Luke that wrote it. Martin Luther, the historic uh, figure in Christianity, believed that it was actually the apostle Apollos that wrote it. Others that are mentioned through history are a little comical, but many people believe that you know, there are people who, who argue for the authorship, that it was written by Priscilla and Aquila. Some people believe it was written by Silas, Paul's companion. Some believe it was written by Jude, Philip. And there are even some theologians that suggest that it was written by the Virgin Mary herself, the mother of Jesus. I personally, over time, when I first started teaching on Hebrews back in the beginning of my ministry, I was of the opinion that it's just unknown. But the more I study it, the more I read the principles that are there, the revelation of some of the things such as faith and forgiveness and repentance, and I pair that with the explanation, the revelations that was given to Paul. When the Bible says that Paul said, I knew a man whether in the body or out of the body, I could not tell, but he was caught up into heaven, into the third heaven. And through that moment, he received abundant revelation. And then he goes right there, right after that, and he says, therefore, a a throne, a a thorn was given to me in my flesh and I besought the Lord three times for to remove that thorn and instead of doing he said my grace is sufficient for thee Paul so all of that ties into the fact that something happened when Paul was left for dead when he was stoned in the, in the streets I believe he actually did die I believe he went to heaven I believe he received some, some revelation that, were, that was key and significant to him I believe he was resurrected in the streets and that's why he had an understanding of things such as faith and repentance and and, and, and many of the doctrines of, of the gifts of the Spirit, the nine fruits of the Spirit, all these other things were come through Paul and not the others that had actually walked with Jesus. I believe that Paul probably wrote the book of Hebrews. But there is no doubt, nobody can say that for surety, but there is no doubt who the audience, who the intended recipient of that letter of the book of Hebrews was. And that was the early Jewish Christians and the Messianic Jewish Christians, the first church age, the first Christians were Jews who had converted to Christianity. Now, if that was the role, then you might say, well, I'm not a Messianic Jew. I am just a Christian, uh, uh, a, um, a, uh, what we would call a Gentile Christian. So why would I receive the book of Hebrews? You have to understand a couple of things about why you need to know the book of Hebrews is so critical to your life. It's number one, the Bible says that when you... As a Gentile Christian, become a Christian, you are grafted into the vine. That is God's chosen people. You become honorary Jews, whether you knew that or not. That's scripture. Are you hearing me? So there's, so can I tell you something? That makes it absolutely impossible for a Christian to be anti-Semitic. A Christian cannot hate Jews because they are one. Huh? If I said like I was when I was a kid, I can't hate Jews because they are one. Let me go further and say, a Christian cannot 
be racist in any way against any race. If you have any racism in you, you are not a Christian. Because one of the things that happens is when you become born again, you are born into a race that is different than your skin color. That's the human race. You are born into the race of kingdom kids. Well, I'm preaching better than you shouting now. Now. It does not take long reading the book of Hebrews to realize that in the book of Hebrews, unlike most other books, the Old Testament will play and plays an extremely significant role in that book. In fact, the book of Hebrews, every single chapter of the book of Hebrews either makes a direct quotation from Old Testament scripture or refers to an Old Testament person or concept that the author assumed the reader will immediately recognize. Did you hear that? Every single chapter in the book of Hebrews deals with Old Testament being revealed in Jesus. Are y'all hearing me? This is further proof to me that we don't need to throw away the Old Testament like some people try to tell us to do. We don't live under the Old Covenant. We have a better covenant. Hebrews is the one that tells us that. We have a better covenant based on better promises. We are in the New Covenant. Somebody shout the New Covenant. But we can't forget the Old Covenant. We can't forget the stories that are there. We can't forget the principles that were there because all of the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Oh, I'm preaching better than y'all shouting this morning. It's been a long time since I did a little treaching on Sunday morning. This is called teaching and preaching at the same time. Treaching. Somebody shout preach and somebody else shout teach. Okay. Somebody say this. This is the message. Say it loud. This is the message. Jesus is greater than anyone, anything. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says this, God who at various times, watch this, you underline this in your Bible, write, write in your Bible, highlight in your Bible app or whatever. God who at various times, you see this, I'm going to break it down, various times and various ways. How many of those various means multiple, different? Not just different in number, but different in ways. Various means not just Five things, five ways of doing it, five various ways is, you know, you, you do five things, five different people can do the same thing the exact same way. Huh? That's just five people doing it. But five people doing it in a various way means that they're all still doing the same thing, but they're, doing it a, they're revealing it and explaining it in a little different form. It's like I've always used the example of, you know, I was born on Elvis Presley's birthday, January the 8th. So my mom was the greatest and is the greatest Elvis fan I've ever known in my life. And I was raised on Elvis because I was born on her birthday. I was, she was absolutely enamored with Elvis. And when, she, my God, when I came into this world on Elvis Presley's birthday, she took it as a sign from God. Praise God. Her son was born on Elvis Presley's birthday. So what she did was from the time out before I could even crawl, not walk, I had Elvis Presley play 
playing in my mama's house. I knew every ever song while all my friends driving around listening to, to music on, uh, uh, what was it, stations, uh, I-95 and all them stations back here listening to rock music. I turned over every once in a while. I had Elvis cassettes. I was driving around in my 77 Monte Carlo in the 80s listening to Elvis because that's all I knew. I knew every Elvis song. I watched every Elvis movie. I had a full-size blue Hawaii Elvis poster on the back of my door. And my God, my mama put it there so that when the door was shut every night, I, Elvis was pointing right at me at my bed saying, good night, baby. I love you. Thank you very much. And so what I'm going to try to say is this. I remember as a little boy hearing, you ain't but a hand, no, crying all the time. You ain't nothing but a hand, no. I used to do a better Elvis than that. I used to do Elvis Blue Christmas every Christmas. I need to bring that back. I need to bring that back. But I will not wear the jumpsuit. I'm just going to say that. I will not wear the jumpsuit. But what I'm saying is the first time I ever heard Elvis sing Hound Dog, it was on what they call a 33 and a third record. Remember them? The big LPs are making a comeback to somewhat now. But I heard Elvis play on a 33 on my mama's record player. Then one day my mama showed me and let me listen to Elvis play on a 45. How many members of 45? Same song, but on a 45 instead of a 33. Then my mama got something real fancy called an eight-track player. Some of y'all have never even seen the 8-track player. Y'all remember the 8-track days when you'd be singing along? You know, just loving that song, and all of a sudden, it just, the track runs out, and you got to wait. You'd be like, don't stop, believe, and you just listen to Journey, whatever. Hold on to that. My 77 Monte Carlo had an eight-track player built in. But when I was in high school in the 80s, cassettes came out. So I heard Hound Dog on the eight-track, but then I heard Hound Dog on a cassette. And I didn't have money to go pay somebody to put me a cassette player in there, so I bought me one of them adapters. Some of y'all, I'm day, some of y'all remember them adapters. I had an eight-track cassette adapter. That thing's about that long, man. And you stuck that thing inside the eight-track player, had a built-in eight-track on the end of it, and on the outside that's sticking outside of your dash, there was a place to put the cassette. And you'd stick that thing in the eight-track player, then you'd pop the cassette in, sticking almost all the way out to the gear shift. It didn't have no such thing as rewind back there. And my date, my son, does anybody remember this? All you had was fast forward. You'd, you'd put it in, and if you wanted to hear it again, you had to take it out, flip it over, fast forward it, and get so good that you knew exactly that you was pretty close to stop it, turn it over, put it back in, press play again, and you were close to what you wanted to hear. I'm, see, some of y'all don't. What in the world y'all talking Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Wave your hands at me. It was crazy. But we did it. But I heard Hound Dog on the cassette. And then one day, it moved from the cassette to a CD. Are y'all hearing me? That was, that was when my kids was growing up in the CD age. And my, I'll never forget the day that my, both my, my daughters spent the night with my grandmother. And of course, she's going to do the same thing. She introduced them to Elvis. They knew all about hound dog and all this kind of stuff. They come home one day. They's like, but, but she didn't have no CD player. She played it on a 33 for them. They didn't know what a 33 was. They, they came home and they said, Daddy, grandmother's got the coolest CD player I've ever seen in my life. It's about this big. And she got to put some kind of thing on top of it, and it sounds real scratchy at first. I said, baby, that's not a CD. I had to take it all the way through. Then it moved from the CD to the MP3. Then it moved from the MP3 
to Spotify or whatever music service you got. How many of those right now, whatever music service you use, you can look up Hound Dog and you can listen to the original recording that was recorded in the studio that, that was played on a scratchy 33 record. The song never changed. The message never changed. It was the same person singing it, the same guitar played in the background. The difference was the delivery method. Are you hearing me? It's the same message. Don't judge a church because they're trying to get a different delivery method to try to reach the, as long as they don't change the message. Amen. You can't change the message to, to deliver. Oh, no, 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 no. You might have lights. You might have screens. You might have guitars. You might have subwoofers. You might have a sound system. But by God, you better have the message or you ain't preaching the gospel. In various times and in various ways, in times past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days isn't it amazing that they even believe that they were in the last day which tells me that no, what genera- no matter what generation you're in you should always believe you, that you could be the last generation has spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things to whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Woo! The first four, verse, first four verses that I just read to you in the original Greek was actually one long sentence with no break. It was one sentence. We call it a run-on sentence now. But the writer wanted to make sure he did not even give the reader an opportunity to take a breath. God has always spoken to us by his prophets, but Jesus became the ultimate prophet. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, I came not to destroy the law, but rather to fulfill the law. Everything that the law was pointing towards and was trying to teach you, I am. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Are y'all hearing me? Why did he say it that way? And why did they want to kill him the moment he said that? Because I am is the sacred name of Jehovah God. Moses, looking at the burning bush, said, Who shall I tell them sent me to say, Let my people go? He said, You tell them the great I am, that I am has sent thee. I am. See, the war is this. Sandy and I talk about this all the time. She catches it a lot more than me. But many times you'll see in movies and TV shows, people who are trying to be the heroic figure or the great villain will declare themselves to be I am. Watch it. Marvel, I love Marvel movies, but I'm telling you, Marvel and DC, especially those, you go back and watch it, you'll find many of the villains that were, that were facing the Marvel superheroes will say things like, they need to understand, I am. They'll stop. Don't say anything else. Because the world has always tried to replace Jesus. Jesus said before anybody else, I am. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the life. I am. Come on, y'all hear me. The only way to the Father. I am. 
You need to understand something about the first chapter of the book of Hebrews is one of the most powerful pieces of evidence for the deity of Jesus Christ in the entire Bible. The Bible says in verse 2, he was appointed heir unto all things. Matthew 28, 18 says this, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I have total authority in heaven. I now have total authority on earth. Why does he say now that all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth? He always has been all authority, but Jesus limited his earthly authority in the creation of man. In Genesis 1.26, sorry I didn't send that scripture to you, but Genesis 1.26 says this, Let us make man, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God, in his infinite authority, released that authority on earth to the one that was created in his image. He did not limit his deity. He never has limited his godship. He couldn't limit his godship because God can't limit himself. He didn't limit his deity, but he put in place his will for us in his creation for us and in giving us our dominion. The Word, the Bible says, the Word, which is the second part of the Trinity that became flesh, the Word had all power in heaven before his death. But now the Word, because of his own law that he put in place in Genesis 1.26 at his resurrection, now said the Word had been given all power in heaven and earth. Stay with me. Verse, the next part of that verse says, Through whom also he made the worlds. Let me tell you something. I want to go back and read that again straight from Hebrews. It says, Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. Who made the worlds? Well, God made the worlds, but he made a point to say that he made the worlds through him. Who is him? Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 1 says this, in the beginning was the Word. Now watch this, the beginning of what? The beginning of this place called earth. The existence of anything outside of the existence of God. Because God doesn't have a beginning. Our finite minds can not understand that God does not have a beginning. That means he doesn't have an end. That's what eternal is. But in the beginning, not in his beginning, but in our beginning, in humanity's beginning, in the universe's beginning, in everything that exists outside of the existence of God's beginning was the Word. Notice he didn't call himself Jesus at that time. was the Word. And the Word was with God, comma, and the Word, say it loud, and the Word, not one day will be God. But was God. And if you were raised Jehovah Witness, you read in your Jehovah's Witness version of the Bible, because you got your own version of the Bible, it changes it and puts one other letter there and says the word was a God. And I want to tell you that, that he was a, a, a little God underneath the big God, that Jesus couldn't be God and be the Son of God as well. Well, they don't, they don't allow God to show them what the Scripture says. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Is that not what Hebrews just said? And without him, nothing was made that was made. Him, the Word. Now, we can't understand this, but here's what you got to wrap your head around is this. 
God, we serve one God who, who manifests and reveals himself in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, of which each have a role that it shows us the power of God. The Holy Spirit is how he is the breath of God. The word spirit means breath. He's the breath of God. He's how he breathes on us. That's what the Bible said, then God breathed into man, and man became a living soul. You hearing me? How I many of us without the Spirit of God were dead, right? The Word, the Bible tells us in Corinthians, I believe it's Corinthians, maybe Colossians, it's not in my notes. It says, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. The Word is the voice of God. The Word is the power of God. And when he says all things were created by him and nothing was created that was not created by him, you go back and read the book of Genesis, it will say that every single time anything was created, he didn't just create it, he said, and God said, Are you hearing me? And God said, let us make the heavens. And God said, let us separate the waters from the earth. And God said, let there be fowl in the air. And God said, let the waters bring forth every living creature. Are you hearing me? So when he said it, the word, his word was the creative force that the Holy Spirit himself, his own breath picked up and brought from one dimension to the next dimension. And that that was nothing became something. Is it deep? Are you still alive? Look at your neighbor and tell him, wake up. It's 11.32. I told you I'm going to do some treaching today. Is this good? How many like sometimes to get a little deep in the Word a little bit? All right? Okay. He was at the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. Then he goes on in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 1. When He had by Himself purged our sins. He declares God the Father declares the Son of God who, who was, the, was the absolute force that created everything that we see, the Word of God Himself somehow purged our sins. How did a Word by itself purge our sins? Well, we know how he purged our sins because the Bible says in John chapter 1, I'm not going to read it, the one, same chapter that says in the beginning was, that was God and God was with God and God was God. It goes forward to say, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, so the word became flesh and dwelt among us and the flesh that the word became is Jesus. That we know the story of. But you got to get this. Jesus is the body form of the word who has always existed. He came in the form of a man because of his own word in Genesis 1.26. That he, he, when he gave dominion to man, he established a fact and a law. The only way I can fight even my enemy, even though I am an eternal God, I must come and walk in the authority that I gave them. Is this good preaching? All I'm doing is preaching Bible. I ain't preaching nothing in the Bible. Now, I, now I got to say this. In the next few minutes, I don't know if I'm going to finish today or not, but this is, uh, i got to walk lightly when I say this because people twist my words. Jesus, the Bible said, by himself purged our sins. That's what Hebrews said. Now, we know, although our human finite minds cannot understand it, when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, 
The Father stayed in heaven. Somehow, God, in His infinite Godship, because He can do anything He wants to do, His authority as Jehovah God was still on, on the throne in heaven, and He released His Word to walk among us. Oh, y'all ain't hear me. And His Spirit to fall upon Him. Because we know that in the one story of John the Baptist baptizing his cousin Jesus, we see the entire Godhead involved. Here is the man, the actual man Jesus, that the Word took on flesh and became out of the Spirit. Remember what, remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, you think you worship God, you don't even know who God is. God is Spirit. And then the worship, he must worship Him in Spirit and truth. He was revealing, I know I'm in the natural, but the real me is Spirit. This is not the real, this is not everything there is to me. Just like this is not everything there is to me. Man, if you can see the real me, man, I'm talking about I'm looking good. I got a six-pack, y'all, instead of this keg. I don't drink beer. I thought it was a funny joke. Obviously, y'all didn't. What was I saying? What was I talking about? Not my six-pack, before the six-pack. <laughs> huh? As most of you watch you say, that still ain't it. I'll get back to it. Why do I do that to myself? Let me go back and look at my notes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So, watch this. When Jesus was on the cross, he said something that blows a lot of people's mind. He cried out. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. It's, it's actually recorded that way. And it says, which is being interpreted. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, why does it have to be interpreted in a translation that has been interpreted? Think about that. Your Bible is called something, the message translation, the King James Version, the New King James Version, Century Version. Whatever your Bible is, is a translation of the original Greek and Hebrew. Unless you're the scholar I didn't know you were, and you literally have the original letters of Paul back there, and you're reading it in Greek. You are the man or the woman. Probably you're reading it in a Bible that has been translated into your language. But yet we still have two instances where Jesus says something that has to be recorded in the language in which he said it. One was when he stood by the damsel who was dead. And it says, he said, Talitha Kumi, which is being interpreted, damsel arrives. And she stood up. The other is on the cross, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani. Which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now here's how I know in my heart I'm convinced that it was not a known language. Because all the nationalities were in, in Israel for Passover. All, because we know just a few days later for Pentecost, all the nations were there. And they heard God, heard them speaking their own language. So, so Eloi Lama Sebastiani could not have been a language that was known. Because the Bible said those that at the base of the cross mocking him and looking him started trying to figure out what he was saying. So they said, what, are he, what is he saying? Some said he 
he thought he was calling on Elijah. Some thought he was calling on Isaiah. Some thought he was calling on another prophet. They couldn't understand it. Let me tell you something. When you are in the natural realm, it's going to blow your mind. And it's going to blow your mind. Because here, here's how you got to have confidence. That not only was Jesus all God, but he made sure that he was all man. Because sometimes your body, even the body of Jesus, is under such disarray and pain that his body cannot even cry out. But the Bible says in the book of Romans, sometimes you don't know what to pray, but your spirit can be found praying for you in groanings that cannot yet be uttered. In the natural, the body of Jesus couldn't even utter a word, but does I believe on the cross, Jesus was given a preview of Acts chapter 2. The spirit man began to cry out. Now why would he cry out that? It wasn't a judgment against God the Father. It was an acknowledgement of the power of that moment. For that brief moment, not only were they separated from heaven and earth, the Bible said, he that knew no sin became sin. And whether you want to call it like the old time preacher used to say, at that moment God turned his back on his son. I don't know if that's what he did. I, t- I have a doubt that he would ever turn his back on his son. But something happened that in the body of Jesus, he felt something a brief moment where he felt sin of which he had never felt before. He had been tempted in all manner, the Bible says, yet without sin. It wasn't his sin, it was our sin. Are y'all hearing me? I feel the Holy Ghost. And that sin hit him. And he, his spirit man, it hit his spirit man too, which is the Holy Spirit. And the only reaction was, how is this possible? Where are you? Just like in the Garden of Gethsemane, my Father, if there be another way that this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, I remember what I was going to say. When, when, when Jesus was baptized by his, by his cousin John the Baptist and he came up out of the river, the Bible said the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove came and lit down upon his shoulder. There's the Godhead Holy Spirit. There's God the Holy Spirit. And there's God the Son, the Word of God that became flesh, is standing in the water. And the voice said, this is out of heaven, said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. There's the Trinity. There's the Trinity at the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. That's what the King James says. He bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. The spirit of a man, the man side of him died. And he said, it is finished. What was finished? What was finished? Please, please, please get this in your spirit. This is what I'm going to teach you over this series. It wasn't just what you've been told. You've been told it is finished. My sins are forgiven. Now I can be forgiven. My God, that is about that much of what he did on that cross. He didn't just die so that you could be forgiven. He didn't just die for you so that you could go to heaven. He died so that you could be saved, delivered, healed, full of power, full of anointing, full of authority. He died so that you could be who you were in the garden. He died so you could be who he was when he made you in his image. He died so you could live a greater life. Here's the powerful thing. I didn't say this. God said this. In Hebrews chapter 1, he God said this. The Father said, He by Himself purged our sins. 
of all places that, I, that God gave me an understanding of this, it was at Christmas time when I wrote that little short story that I always talk about every year called The War in Bethlehem. And in The War in Bethlehem, that little short story, you can go to warinbethlehem.com. You just go to warinbethlehem.com. It takes you 10, 15 minutes to read it. Sitting in that little office in that hay barn on the side of Highway 79, God began to show me what it means in the book of Hebrews when he says, but thou has prepared me a body. Meaning, the Bible said he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He wasn't the lamb slain from 2,000 years ago. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So, watch this. Before God opened up his mouth and the word of God came forth and said, let there be light. I don't know how to describe it other than this. It probably didn't happen exactly like this. This is the way my, my little simple mind handles it. When they were getting ready, when God, I hate to use the word they, because I won't say God, he, when he was getting ready to create all of this, they knew, God knew, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit knew, man will not be able to make it on their own. And the lamb slain from the foundation of the world means before let there be light, the word of God said, I'll die. So before there was ever, forget, let us make man, before there was ever let there be light, the word of God knew he would die. That is why the entire Old Testament is the way it is. The why the temple is laid out the way it is. That's why the, the blood of the bulls is required. All of these things are all types and shadows that I could go so deep in on showing you, even the outer court, inner court, holy of holies, all of these things, the things that were there, the table of showbread, the menorah, the altar, all of these things speak of Jesus, every one of them. All of the prophets prophesied of Jesus. Are you hearing me? Well, he's the word, right? So is the Old Testament the word? So that's why he said, listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to rebuke the word. I'm the one that wrote it. I'm not here to rebuke the law. I'm the one that told Moses. That's the way it's going to be. I've come to fulfill all of it. I don't want you to stop believing that you need a priest. I'm just going to be the priest. Are you hearing me? I don't want you to stop thinking that there needs to be a blood of a lamb. I'm just going to become the lamb. I don't want you to think that I don't want my people to dwell in the temple. I just want you to become the temple so that I can live in you. Is this good preaching? Maybe I'll get through four verses. He sat down. Watch this. See, it was Jesus himself. What I want to just finish by just saying this. Jesus, the Godhead. The Godhead, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were all involved in everything that's ever happened. But it was the body of Jesus that stood on that cross. And here's how I know that it was foreign. As crazy as this sounds, and I'm always nervous to say this, I'm actually shaking inside right now because I, I so honor the Word of God and the deity of, of God that I'm nervous when I say things like this. But, but because you want to think, how could anything be foreign to God? But God had never been a man. He made man. He knew everything there is to know about man, but he'd never been a man because he's God. He's not man. 
Our ways are not his ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. He is not like us, and you are not like him. You will never evolve into him. There's two sure things in life. One, there is a God, and two, you're not him. Don't, don't, don't listen to these people tell you you're going to evolve into being some kind of God. Nope. All right, what's this? Here's how I know it was far to him. Because when, even though it was his plan, even though he was the lamb slain for the foundation of the earth, when it all came to the, to the body of Jesus and to the actual brain of Jesus in that garden, why didn't he just say, well, you know, here we go. This is what we talked about was going to happen. Let's do this thing. No, God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator that, that, that just said nothing was made that was not made by him, that his word upholds and sustains it all, said if there is any other way, is there, I know for all eternity I knew this day was coming. I'm the one that planned it. But I've never been in this before. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. How awesome is it that God, the word that was responsible for everything being created, was in his life, if anything, teaching us submission to authority and flowing in authority. Because even though he is God and equal with God, while he was here on this earth, he taught us walk in your authority here on this earth, but respect and honor the authority of our God in heaven, of your God in heaven. He said something so powerful. He's on one, it sounds confusing, but it's not. When you understand the Godhead or understand at least possibly what I'm trying to teach you today because you can't fully understand the Godhead. He, he, says, he says, I don't, I don't go anywhere unless the Father tells me to go. I don't say anything unless the Father tells me to say it. They're like, okay, we got it now. So you're, you're, the, you're, the, you're the little boy. You're the son. No, no. He comes right back and says, no, no, you don't understand. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. I am the Father. The Father is me. <laughs> Some of y'all's heads just... Now watch this. So when he, when he died, watch what happened. He come back from the dead. Ten minutes. Get ready to hit that fire on those announcements. I remember, I remember it on, all on my own. I remember I got to do announcements. I got to remember to do offering. It's going to be awesome. I got this. I got this. I got this. And he came back from the dead. You know the story. I preach about it all the time because it is so powerful when you understand the book of Hebrews and what the book of Hebrews is trying to teach us. Mary Magdalene is on her way to put spices on the dead body of Jesus who's been in the grave for three days. And when she gets there, the stone is removed. You know the story. You hear it every Easter. She goes in there. She finds an angel who says, why, stand, why are you searching for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen, just like he said. So she walks out. She's like, Whoa. oh, my goodness. Wow. This is unbelievable. He, did he really do what he said he did? And he, she, he's just, she's just walking. She's just walking. Some of the other girls walking with him. They're just looking at each other. What do you, what do you think really happened? Is it, did he really do what he said? And this guy walks right past him. How you doing, ladies? I don't say that. What's up, ladies? No, 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 no. No, he just walks by Jesus, walks by and just says. There's like, good to see you, man. Appreciate you. The Bible said they, they thought he was the caretaker. I mean, it'd be like, appreciate you taking care of the grave, cutting the grass, man. You're a good man. Appreciate you. That guy right there, he keeps a clean grave. As they're walking by, they're not even thinking anything. All of a sudden, they hear something. Mary. The man that they walk right by 
says the name Mary. She stops in her track. She turns around. She realizes it's Jesus. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. If you love Jesus the way Mary Magdalene loved Jesus, and you realize that was Jesus, would you not have not let anything stop you, even, even him saying, don't touch me? You'd have moved heaven. You'd have grabbed him, hugged him. Oh, my God, it's Jesus. She starts running wide open. He says, stop. Listen to what he says. Listen to what he says. You, ha you have to hear the rest of the story. This is what is in your Bible. He says, stop. Do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But I am ascending to my Father. Go into Jerusalem and tell my disciples that I ascend into my Father, and I will come unto them. She doesn't say, but I want to hug you. She understands. Something happens where she understands. Here is the resurrected Savior of her life. She walks away and takes off running towards Jerusalem. What does Jesus do right then? Here's what's so awesome about the book of Hebrews. It tells us exactly what he did at that moment. That's what's so powerful about Hebrews. The reason she didn't recognize him is that he was dressed like no one had ever seen him dressed. He was in white linen from top to bottom with a turban. He was dressed just as the high priest would be dressed at Passover, just before he would go into the Holy of Holies with the blood of the Lamb. And the law said, his law said, that not only his, only, his own wife and children could touch him within a certain amount of days and weeks before he ever went into that Holy of Holies, because when he went into the Holy of Holies, if he had been touched by human flesh, he would be struck dead. Because only holy and separated priesthood could go into the Holy of Holies. He told Mary, Mary, I love you. You and nobody else can touch me. But watch the difference. He's, he's stopping everyone from touching him. And the next time we see Jesus, he walks in. He's in his regular clothes because they all recognize him immediately. He's not dressed up like a priest. And the Bible said he walks right into the room where his disciples are. He starts hugging them. He, he looks at Thomas. He says, hey, Thomas, you don't believe me? Come over and touch the scars in my hand. Come here, boy. Come here. Look here. Look, you see this scar on the side? Put your hand right there. I don't care. It's a different Jesus. Hebrews tells us exactly what he does between the time Mary saw him to the time he walks through that, that room and reveals himself. And it is mind-blowing if you don't know what I'm talking about. But it was essential for him to do it. And I'm going to do something that's going to shock y'all. I'm going to stop right there because if I look at my notes one more time, I'll preach till 1 o'clock. Because I got enough notes to preach to one o'clock. I love the book of here. If y'all enjoyed today, give the Lord a praise right now. Come on, somebody. Woo, I'm about to get into some deep stuff in the coming weeks. Deep stuff. Are you thankful for Jesus? Well, he didn't come just so you could have a greater house and a greater car. He came so that you could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are a part of a greater kingdom. So if you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, if you have never said, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. If you've never said, Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me my sins. Come into my heart and save me. I'm ready to be your child. That's what this altar is for.
Maybe you have prayed that prayer, but life has hit you like it has hit everybody else. And your walk with God is not where it used to be. And you need to make a rededication in your life to God today. Because Jesus is greater than anything you're going through. If either of those are y'all, I'm going to ask you to come and stand up in this altar right now. Come on. Thank you. Thank you for obeying God. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else that's still coming? I thank God for young people. I thank God for young people that want their hearts right with God. Come on, y'all hear me. I thank God for young people that want their heart to be right with God. I'm telling you, these are the world changers right here. Young people who's like, God, I want to know. I want to know. I don't want to lay on my pillow tonight and not know. I want to know. Is there any adults in here? Is there any senior citizens, any lifelong churchgoers that will sit there right now and and recognize that your relationship with God is really not where it needs to be and you need to recommit your life to God? I'm going to wait a couple more seconds on you. I've been doing this thing long enough to know you're in here. But you think you got this, don't you? You got it. I'll just pray at home tonight, Pastor. I got it. I don't want to speak evil. You may not make it home. You're not guaranteed home. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Three seconds. Okay. All right. Thank God for these two young people. Would you stretch your hands towards them right now? Raise your hands. Let's pray together. Let's help them pray. Father, we come to you now. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, we confess you are God. You walked among us. You were sinless. And you died on that cross. And you took my sins. So, Jesus, thank you. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins. I ask you, Lord, to wash me clean from this day forward. I want to know with complete confidence that my heart is right with you, God. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Austin, Sandy, Mandy, would y'all just come up here and just... Shake their hands, hug them. Charlotte, will you come up here and just tell them how proud you are of them? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, give the Lord a praise right now. Aren't, aren't you excited when you see young people, teenagers, students coming to the altars? Thank God for the altars.